This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Athletic Greens, a complete whole food supplement with 75 plant-based ingredients working together to help with 11 different areas of your health. Learn more at athleticgreens.com slash no meat. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Audible and its massive selection of audiobooks you can download to your phone to enjoy in the car, on your run, or while cooking dinner. For a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com slash no meat. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Hello, everyone. Happy 2017, and welcome to the first real episode of No Meat Athlete Radio of this new year. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay, and we're back after... A good month off. Well, I can't say it was a good month, but it was a it was a solid month off. We took a true month off of podcasting. We did. Took the month of December and kind of came back last week with Sid as standing in for you as the podcast host. But, uh, you know, it's nice to be back. And, and I, we should say that we're not truly back because we're not in the same place. Yes. My home is still is still police roped off as an area where no one should go for a long time. Quarantined for... We're thinking of actually just burning the house down and kind of rebuilding <laughs> because there has just been just a, a total outbreak of disease in my home for the past month. Uh, mainly me. Since the, I, so I went to the Tony Robbins event in early December, uh, which I should mention was, was right after a car accident. I had to kick off this wonderful break, uh, which I, I've almost forgotten about because it was so long ago and, and such now such a small thing compared to what the whole month turned into. Uh, but I got sick at this Tony Robbins event, which was a really, really awesome event. And uh, everyone apparently always gets sick of this thing. They don't advertise that, but you find that out <laughs> later. Uh, everyone gets sick, and everyone did get sick again. This time, lots of people came down with either pneumonia or what I was told was walking pneumonia, which I honestly don't even – I think that's just like a catch-all kind of term. I don't know. Maybe that's a real thing. But whatever it is, it was worse than a normal cold, and it has lasted a month. Finally, I am better, thank goodness. Uh, and I'm fingers crossed that it is, that it is finally good. So it was, it was a very strange month for me. Wasn't the break that I had really intended. Uh, but I did get to do a lot of, a lot of good things happen. And it was good that it was post Tony Robbins because I, I was in a good, I had a lot of tools in my arsenal to say things like, well, what else could this mean? Or what's, what's good about this that I haven't noticed yet. So I had lots of, I was in a state in a fairly good mindset the whole time and noticed the good things, but still grateful for some nice things, and uh, still managed to do a lot of relaxation. Doug, I don't think you probably relaxed as much as I did, even though I was sick. You probably had uh, a little bit more going on. Well, I, I, I wouldn't have called the past month a break for me either, but for, <laughs> but for totally different reasons. Yeah, you know, we mentioned this in the last episode, but uh, Katie and I had a baby, which was awesome. Congratulations, uh, that is you. awesome. And tomorrow, she'll be a month old, which is kind of wild. That's right. Yeah, you've been a father for a month. Yeah, um, and it has been it has been a wild, joyous ride. Um, lots of fun, lots of <laughs> awesomeness, but also a lot of learning and um, long nights and little sleep and <laughs> you know. Uh, but, yeah. but things are. I feel like actually this week we kind of turned a corner. She's sleeping through lo- longer chunks at night. Uh, in the bassinet, so someone doesn't have to be holding her, which is which is great. Yeah, that is that is a big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been it's been cool. It's been really, really. I don't know. I mean, magical. It's it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to like put it into words because it's so great, but it's also kind of trying at the same time. You know? Oh yeah, which is the, what the whole thing is. I mean, it's a there there. It's a constant series of new challenges, and and those challenges are, you know, you they make you grow, and and you get. Everyone gets better, and, and they have filled with lots of good things. So uh, that's what it is. So how, how, what would you say is your average hours of sleep per night over the past month? Well, I think uh, up until this week, it was probably like three and a half hours of sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, maybe across the day, including naps and everything like that, closer to five or six. But it was never more than like an hour to an hour and a half um, without interruption oh my gosh it was yeah it was really rough for a little while but uh this week it's been more like three hour chunks and katie has uh been getting up because i'm coming back i've gone back to work and everything katie's been on more on the night duty and relieving me of some of that so um i've actually you know i've gotten like five hour five hours of sleep at a time which uh-huh. is great yeah. that is great i remember when we had a baby i guess this was probably 
six months after Holden was born. Uh, and, and I, the sleep thing, I mean, it got better of course, but it, you know, it was still, it, I still felt like I didn't have many hours left in the, in the day or the night, you know, lots of time just was suddenly taken up. And I, Tim Ferriss's book, uh, four hour body came out and it had this big section on, on polyphasic sleep where I don't even remember the whole theory behind it now, but you, you can, you basically train yourself to only sleep like th- three hours a day or something. Uh-huh. And, and the way you do it, I'm, I'm probably messing up the numbers, but the way you do it is you, you learn to sleep in these short increments of like either half an hour or 45 minutes or something. And with normal sleep, it takes your body a long time. I think an hour or two to, before you get into this, the good REM sleep that is the truly regenerative, restorative sleep. And somehow when you train yourself to only sleep in these, these small increments, your body is forced to adapt and it learns to only spend a few minutes before it gets into this really good sleep. Hmm. So you kind of start wasting way less of your sleep time in this, whatever the other states are. Right. Uh, and you go right to the, to the good stuff. Now there's a problem with the theory because it's like, well, what is this other sleep that doesn't seem to serve any purpose? Well, maybe it is serving some purpose that we're not going to know until we do it for years and years. And then finally we start to fall apart. Um, <laughs> so I, I remember I was going to do this and it was going to, I said, this is going to like get me all this time back. <laughs> And I, I, one night I like decided I was going to do it. I said, this is the night that I don't go to bed except for one hour at 2 a.m. or whatever it was. And I remember I did it and then I just crashed the next morning at 6 a.m. <laughs> right when Holden woke up. And I just slept for like six hours in the, just into the, in the afternoon. Day. And that was the end of my, uh, my polyphysics sleep experiment. It didn't, didn't work. But I admit, you know, maybe if you had the discipline to stick with it, it, it certainly would. For some people it, it does work, but still I'd be a little bit scared about the long term consequences of yeah that's crazy yeah i guess i mean you know i've I've crammed for tests you know and stayed up pulled all-nighters and you know certainly partied all night and that kind of thing but i've i've never gone anywhere near this long with this little amount of sleep and i you know i understand 100 percent why they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture now because it Mm -hmm. it really does change everything i mean you can't think properly you can't i don't know just the whole day just gets jumbled together right Um, you know, not not that having a baby is torture, <laughs> and Eliza is so, certainly not torture, but, uh, you know, it, it is hard to go without sleep, or, or at least, uh, you know, standard sleep. I, I was, I would wake up, if I was holding her, if I was on the, like, early morning shift, um, and I was sitting in a rocker or something by the window, and the second the sun would start to kind of creep up, it was like this, you know, it was this great feeling, because I made it through the night, <laughs> we had made it through another night, <laughs> right. um, you know, but everything's good now. You know, it's with you didn't mention ultra running with your in in uh, your all nighters, right? I didn't. No, you know? yeah. which is funny because like to me, I've went down it that one time, but I, that I, the, the lack of sleep didn't bother me at all then. And I don't know. Did you did you experience the same thing that it just didn't? No, no at nights really. No, I had I struggled at the night a lot during all three. Oh, like of my... being tired, like just wanting to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that was like not a factor as much as just being tired of running. Huh. Anyway, all right. Well, that uh, that is probably enough catch up on what we've, we've been up to. Um, Which, for listeners, is actually the first time we've caught up in a month. Really, we haven't talked because you've been so sick. And yeah, no, we haven't talked at all. I don't think I've really talked to you since uh, since you had Eliza. I mean, I think we we emailed once about transferring some athletic greens uh, merchandise without actually having physical contact so that I wouldn't <laughs> infect your family. Stashing it underneath uh, the tire of my car. Yeah, while we, we did like a little, little drug deal handoff <laughs> at the outside of the pediatrician's office, right? Or the, yeah. the where it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, this is the first time we talked. So I'm glad we caught up, and I'm glad we did it uh, publicly. Yeah. There you go. All right. So uh, what we are talking about today, and I mean, I think really the point of this episode for me is just do another episode and get back to work, like because I don't know this. It was actually a hurdle for me to think about sitting down to do this because I've just been so out of work mode for so long that I was kind of nervous to just do a podcast. So this seems like an easy topic. Uh, it's, it's very related to what you've been up to, Doug, a little bit me too. Uh, and that is the idea of doing the ideal, doing what you intend, doing what, what's close enough to perfect, uh, versus kind of just mailing it in, right? Just, just doing just enough to get by Mm -hmm. and sort of dealing with that because that's something that, that, I have dealt with a whole lot of times in my life, and it's kind of an ongoing battle of of 
you know, wanting to be really great at whatever I'm trying to do, wanting to be as best as I can possibly be. I know you have a lot of the same the same things with running and food and and work, um, but also having to having to deal with all kinds of other things in your life that that come up for you right now. A new baby for me, sickness, and uh, there are sometimes when it's when it's perfectly okay, and I think clear that during this time doing barely enough doing just enough to get by is sort of the only option and there are other times when uh when that's not so clear so that's uh that's what we wanted to talk about today so Doug why don't you why don't you just start us off and we're just a just a heads up to people this is going to be sort of free form uh just just sort of chit-chatting about about this topic and and seeing where we go yeah well I mean I think when it comes to something like this you I remember my dad used to always tell me when I was mowing the lawn, if you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. Um, have you heard that saying? I have heard that I'm saying. I'm sure you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and, and that's an approach that I, I take to a lot of, or I try to, to take with a lot of things, whether that's uh, you know a project I'm working on for work or whether it's, I don't know, a new hobby or something like that. Um, I kind of decide whether I want to go all in or whether I don't. And if I don't, then and it's not going to turn out well, it's just going to be a waste of time, then then I try not to do it. And, yep. and I, I don't always do that. You know, sometimes I get too excited about something and just kind of start it and never really finish it. But that's certainly an approach I try to take. But when it comes to, like, my health and eating right and um, and running, which is something that I'm very passionate about, um, the decision, it's it's a lot grayer, right? Because you I could drop it altogether. I could not care what I eat or I could quit running altogether. Um, but I don't want to do that, right? I don't want to cut those things out of my life, and I don't want to, um, you know, risk eating junk food all the time just because that's the easier option. Uh, so mm-hmm. you have to kind of make that decision of how you're going to do it, what really matters, what kind of parts of of the eating healthy or the running or your training are the most important, and and will give you the best bang for your buck. And that's kind of where I focus my energies. Uh, do you mean? during times like these where there's clearly something else going on or do you mean kind of in in everyday normal life situation no i mean in in times like these uh you know because if i have the free time or not the free time i shouldn't say if i if i'm able to commit um to cooking every night and cooking a really thoughtful healthy meal every night and every day for lunch um, or, you know, or if I'm able to go 100% into my training, which most of the time I am, you know, most of the time for the past few years, I have really been able to carve out big chunks of time to commit to training because it was a priority and I was willing to kind of sacrifice not doing some other things or time away from home to, in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when you don't have that option and right now it's, you know, I have the, the obligation of being a father, but I also want to do that. Like that's more important to me than, um, going out for an hour run every day, right? I right. would rather skip some runs um, or cut runs significantly back in order to spend that time with Eliza and Katie and doing whatever else I need to do because I didn't get any sleep that night. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, so what you said at the beginning is is definitely a common theme for us, and I would imagine that people who listen to this show uh, have that in common you know as well because it's just like it's something that comes up all the time and i feel like if you're someone who listens to this show you're probably someone who likes you know the stuff we talk about trying to trying to do your best in different areas in fact we've we've talked specifically about this topic with uh, we mentioned seth godin's book the dip and we mentioned how with this podcast we were we were kind of on the fence of of quitting it and this this was not really we hadn't done a whole lot of episodes we probably done maybe 20 or something and we were just doing like we were doing like one a month, maybe one every two months, and we got to the point where we said we said the decision now isn't like it is not an option to keep half-assing this. It's mm-hmm. either do it right and and commit to getting an episode out weekly, with the exception of a winter break because we just did, but <laughs> um, you know d- d- consistently do an episode and make it good, or stop doing it at all. So it's like don't, you know it's and we also mentioned the the poker analogy for anyone who plays poker. That often the decision in a poker hand is should you raise or should you fold the middle ground of I'm just going to call, I'm just going to call the bet, not put any extra in, not show any aggression, um, but also not give up. Often that's the worst decision of all is that sort of just hang in there and do the bare minimum turns out to not be a useful one. So um, 
definitely a, a very common theme, and it's something that we both deal with all the time. So I think that where, where there's kind of a, a tricky part here for me is you can you can be someone who lives by that, right? If you're not going to do something right, don't do it at all. But then not necessarily just in times like you're going through right now where, where there's something else that's preventing you from really pouring everything you have into whatever some pursuit might be. Um, there's the whole perfectionism idea in general, right? Because so a lot of people say that they're living by the philosophy of if you're not going to do something right, don't do it at all. But what that becomes is they never publish their book, right, that they're right. writing. Or they never do their life's work that they always claim they're one day going to do because it turns out they have this impossibly high standard of perfection that is truly nothing more than than fear. Than them, It's their way of hiding from ever having to face the scary thing of actually publishing that book or quitting their job and starting that business or whatever it is that they say they're one day going to do. And they can do it under the guise of, well, if I'm not going to do something right, then I'm not going to do it at all. Right. It becomes their excuse. Yes. So I think that's an important distinction. We're not really advocating for perfectionism as this isn't perfectionism versus just enough. This is this is very high but reasonable standards versus just enough, right? So like you as an ultra runner, you have extremely high standards for the amount you should train, for the difficulty of your runs, uh, for the number of races you should do each year or whatever, whatever it is that you're going for. Um, but you don't have perfectionism as, as the goal. It's not that you're not going to race unless it, everything goes perfectly well or, right. or your goal is, is I'm going to win these races. And if I don't, it's an absolute failure. Right? So it's not perfectionism that we're talking about here. We're talking about pouring yourself into something completely to the point where, you know, you did everything you could, um, without having perfection as your goal, without having that that hiding place of saying, this is going to be so perfect, so perfect in fact that I'm I'm never actually going to ship it or do it because I'll never reach that standard. Right. So uh, I think I think what what it relates to is this seasons of life idea that I have talked about a lot, uh, which is something I learned from a guy named Jim Rohn, who's just like a, a personal development type speaker, old older guy, died a few years ago. Um but he he's the one who I learned that idea from. And it's a, the, the idea that like you can be someone who's who's a total go getter and all about doing stuff and and putting your absolute best that you have into something, and then now and then because things sort of ebb and flow, uh, you go through a phase. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's not because you have a new baby or you got sick. It's just that you stopped feeling motivated for whatever reason. And to me, that just is a signal that now you're in some kind of new season. Something about your life has shifted. Maybe, maybe it is a sign that you achieved what you wanted to achieve. You have grown. You have overcome whatever that set of challenges was. And you've kind of shed that, that shell, that karmic shell. Right Now you're in a new phase of life, and now it's time for, for you to grow in a new way. And sometimes that the new challenge, the new goal, whatever it is, doesn't show up right away. And you're, and you're kind of in this period of just enough is sort of all you can, can really get yourself to do. What would have been unacceptably poor effort a few months ago now feels like everything you can muster. And, uh, I think one of the great ways I've matured in the past, really probably since I've had kids has, has brought a lot of these challenges, um, is, is in accepting that and saying like, you know, it, it is okay for me to not feel motivated to, run or work or whatever it is right now. Uh, of course, you still got to do the bare minimum. You have to do the the 20% that gets you the 80% of the results to use this overused 80-20 idea. Um, but I think it's really important to not beat yourself up over that because if you're just going to be barely getting by but also experiencing tons of mental stress because of that, then I kind of feel like you're not allowing... Uh, you're not allowing the inspiration to strike. Right? You're, not, you're not allowing that space in your life for something to rush in and fill that void and say, hey, this is this is now the thing that is, I'm going to take all this motivation from and, and really pour myself into again. So, But how do you decide whether you should even maintain that bare minimum or not? You know, if, if it's something like running, um, you know, why, when do you decide whether, okay, now is just the time to take a break and just let it go completely? Uh, I mean, I th- for me... I don't know. I don't have an attachment to running that I know some people do. Um, I have an attachment to physical fitness. And if I feel myself getting out of shape, 
and I can feel myself being winded when I'm playing with my kids, uh, which I have been a little bit in the past month because I've done absolutely nothing, then I, I will get extremely motivated to get myself back in shape and say, I got to join a gym and find something new. And in fact, I have found something new that I kind of want to get into, um, but it's not running. And I don't know. For for me, like, I think I think maybe it depends on different attachments, right? Because someone, someone who's really at their core, they consider themselves a runner, and that is part of who they are as a person. Uh, for them, it's probably a much different situation, right? It's probably not as easy to just say, well, I don't feel like running right now, so I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to be perfectly okay with it. Yeah. I think for me, uh, I mean, I'm one of those people with running. Um, but when even if even if I was less so of that, I think if I knew that on the other end of this that I would want to be remotivated or I would get remotivated or I would have uh, more time after the schedule settled down or Eliza got a little older and was sleeping through the nights and that kind of thing. Um, if I knew that on the other side of that, that I would have these goals, then I, I should maintain at least what I can in right. order to set myself up to then start going, pouring myself back into it when the time comes. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And I think, I think that, um, is why we talk so much about the value of having habits or rituals or automatic behaviors that that you can sustain with very very little effort, right? And so that so that your your bare minimum behavior is I don't know, I mean I don't want I don't want it to sound like the solution is just do what you feel like. So if you don't feel like brushing your teeth anymore, then just stop doing that and if you don't feel like going to work anymore, just stop doing that and you'll be fine because you're listening to your heart. I mean, that's not true, right? I mean, you, you, we, we want to keep up these bare minimum behaviors. And if you can manage to do that, then like you said, when you come out the other end, when you do get remotivated, you're going to be way better off if you have managed to keep running your minimum 30 minutes a day or an hour a day or whatever it is that you do, uh, because you will have, you will have maintained your fitness. Right? I mean, you won't have maintained peak fitness, but you won't have lost things and you won't be starting back from, from scratch zero again. Yeah. So I think that's the really valuable thing about creating things that are, are truly habitual behaviors and, and have some of the things that, that are, we associate with rituals and habits like triggers and these things that make it automatic behaviors. And it's very easy to ignore those things. Like when I get motivated, uh, to create new habits and I'm, I'm in a space where I'm like, really excited about creating something new, creating a new, ha- a new daily routine of mine. I don't actually need that trigger and stuff because I'm so excited that I can just kind of willpower it and just sort of get the habit going by momentum. Just start doing it. I'm so excited about it. It's easy to do every day and it becomes a habit. But I think those tools are really valuable. The reminders and the triggers and the things that actually do make it automatic on some level in your brain uh, more than just you wanting to do it. I think they're really valuable because then when that motivation does wane, you have those things that sort of keep you going on that path. Uh, so I think I think that is a very important point. And I don't I don't know the answer for like when when do you decide, you know, I'm really just going to stop running right now because I really don't want to do it at all um, versus I, sh- I should keep this up because I know I'm going to come out the other side of this and I know that I'm going to I'm going to be glad that I kept running and, and suffered through these runs perhaps mm-hmm. because I know it's worth it. And I think that probably comes down to knowing yourself, right? And just, right. and just experiencing like I've been through many, many cycles of this sort of thing now, um, experiencing what it feel like to come out the other side and have to start totally over because you you haven't kept up something for me more recently. Now it's, it's, uh, with playing the drums, I've been picking that up again and got really back into the jazz drumming thing and trying to do that. And I'm like, if I had just not given that up when when things got busy, say last, I don't know, March or April, and I'd been practicing really solidly for four months, if I had not given that up for the past eight months, I, I would be light years ahead of where I am now and not having to go back and redo all the stuff I did back then. So I've just gone through another cycle of that and just experienced again a little bit of frustration at myself for not maintaining that habit. Uh, and my hope is that when this interest in drumming wanes or when, when things get busy because I go away for a week and I can't do any practicing while I'm gone, uh, that I am reminded of what it felt like this time to have to sort of start over. Uh, so I think, I think it comes down to learning about yourself and, and you start to know when, when it is truly just an excuse in your head saying I want to give this up and when it's actually worth, worth going, keep, keeping going with it. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I want to talk about food and healthy eating, which has been a big, I don't know, priority or something that's been on my mind a lot over the last month. Uh, but first, I think we should pause for a second to thank our sponsors. I agree, Doug. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Matt, I've been using Athletic Greens daily for the past several weeks, and while I was putting it in my smoothies at first, I have to admit that I am just scooping out a spoonful, mixing it with water, and calling it a day. And believe it or not, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, I was not only surprised by the taste, but also what it's made from. Athletic Greens is the most complete whole food supplement available with 75 ingredients working together to help with 11 different areas of your health. It has everything from prebiotics and probiotics to adaptogens and hormone support. And of course, it's totally vegan friendly with absolutely no animal products or byproducts. And Doug, I just learned that all the ingredients are grown down in New Zealand where the company's from. So that's pretty cool. Athletic Greens is offering NMA radio listeners like yourself nearly $100 worth of bonuses if you grab some Athletic Greens today. Visit athleticgreens.com slash no meat to learn more. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is also brought to you by Audible and its unmatched selection of audiobooks, original shows, news, comedy, and more, including Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, a great book on Stoic philosophy, which I've just started listening to. If you're a regular listener, you know that Matt and I talk a lot about how we listen to more spoken audio than, than we do music on runs. We find that it's a great way to zone out and crank through the miles, and for over a year now, I have relied on Audible for my audiobooks, which I listen to on the run or in the car. Recently, I re-listened to Christopher McDougall's iconic Born to Run, which is one of the books that has impacted my running the most. For our audience, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Just go to audible.com slash no meat and browse their massive selection of audio content. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash no meat. Okay, so on this theme of good enough but maybe not ideal when it comes to food, uh, I think it's a little bit different than something like jazz drumming or running, in part because... Wait, food is different from jazz drumming? (laughs) Well... (laughs) I would have said those things were identical. Yeah, they're equally as important. (laughs) No, but but, I mean, you know, I think that that food and and what you're eating uh, has such a long-term impact on everything else, how you're feeling, energy, you know, all this other stuff. Yes. So, so food arguably more important than, than jazz drumming or, I mean, running ex- is an exercise. Food may be more important than, than hobbies, right? Yeah, because right. it's so impactful on the rest of your life. And if your food situation falls apart and your health falls apart, then everything falls apart. Exactly. Not, not necessarily true with jazz drumming. I mean, maybe. I don't know. If you're like. If jazz drumming falls apart, then. <laughs> if that's your career path or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but, but for me, this idea of just saying the heck with it and, and dropping any sort of. Um, any sort of. What am I trying to say? Importance on what I'm eating. Uh, yeah. Discipline, right? Discipline. Just you're right. Throwing all your discipline away. Yeah. You know, the, to me, that's not really an option because. Even if I'm only eating healthy one meal a day instead of all three, or even if I, um, you know, I am 100% vegan and will remain that way. But uh, if if I was going plant based and I couldn't go 100%, but maybe I could do one meal a day or something like that. You know, for me, a little bit is way better than um, than giving it up completely. Okay, so say this again. I, I'm I'm a little bit confused about why that makes it not an option at all, right? What, so because a little bit, right? Like I would argue the same thing is true with anything, with jazz drumming, with running. A little bit is way better than than giving it up completely. Uh, why with healthy eating is that is that different for you? Well, f- so for me, it's it's if, if I'm just doing a little bit of jazz drumming, if I'm just doing a little bit of riding or... A- <laughs> I thought we were just specifically talking about jazz drumming and not funk or rock or any other type of drumming here. <laughs> Because it changes the whole conversation. <laughs> well, you know, it's like it's the, you're the, we're the cool cats, you know. The, yeah, you're right. We're the jazz cats. <laughs> uh, you know, if I'm just doing a little bit of jazz drumming, then I'm probably never going to get great at it, and it's never going to fulfill me in a way that um, going all in would. Or, or maybe I could spend that time 
doing something else, doing some, putting that towards running and I would become a better runner because of it. And that would fulfill me in a way that just doing a little bit of running and a little bit of jazz drumming, Mm -hmm. a little bit of, um, knitting, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Um, Yes. Okay. All right. I I get that. But with food, you know, I I think it's kind of different because it will impact your whole life in in a different way. Okay. So could we say that, so this 80, 20, right? The 20% of the effort gets you 80% of the results. Yes. Could we say that what you were saying here is that with something like food, that 80-20 rule is way more applicable than it is with something like jazz drumming that requires maybe a tremendous amount of initial effort before you start really experiencing any results? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And and it just has a bigger, I mean, you know, I mean, it'll just have a bigger impact on what you're doing. And and maybe spending that twenty percent of your twenty percent of the effort on jazz drumming is better to spend. You know, you'd 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 be more productive spending that on something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, and I think probably correct me if I'm wrong. I think the, probably the reason that is is just what we said before that food is so central to your life and your health is so central to your life that if if you do let that totally go, then your life can fall apart. Whereas for most people, if they stop jazz drumming, it's not really going to do that much. Right. So it's just, it's just a really more important thing. Yeah. And, and this is, um, okay, but, but you're also not saying that you're always trying to do, do outstanding or, or be the very best you can possibly be at eating. Right. Exactly. You know, there are times when I am and times when I'm really motivated to or times when um, I just have free time and Katie and I, or I myself, are, are you just spending more time cooking, more time focused on food? And in those times, it, I would say that that is like the ideal. I'm eating the ideal diet for my, myself and for, you know, what I want in life and out of food. Um, but then there are plenty of other times and I would, I would say most of the time that's not sustainable for me. Um, I'm not as passionate about it as some people are. I'm not uh, as driven with food as some people are. And and so I have to find that healthy balance of sustainability and ideal. Yeah. And, gotcha. Right? I mean. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, if you were to talk to an average person who doesn't really think about food very much, they would say that you eat an impossibly strict diet. Because you're you're vegan, and I don't know how much of that vegan is whole foods versus junk food, but I, I would imagine it, even in the worst of cases, it's probably still eighty percent whole foods and twenty percent processed food. Right. So maybe what this means, and I, I don't know if this is right, but but for me, the way I mean, veganism has done so much for me as a healthy eater because I was I thought of myself as a healthy eater before I went vegetarian and then vegan. Uh, but if I was truly honest with myself, I probably wasn't that healthy because I, it would be so easy and so often that I would just slip into little binges where I would eat chicken wings or whatever night after night or, or several times a week for several weeks. Uh, and with that comes a host of other bad dietary behaviors like drinking. Um, and just, you know, one thing often leads to another when it comes to, to food, right? You eat one junky thing and then you decide to eat a junky dessert and then the next meal after that you and you know things you start to your taste buds change you start to crave junkier worse stuff um so even though i considered myself a healthy eater most of the time maybe i was eating that terrible way right or or just if i really counted up all the meals all the stops at fast food places because i just said well i eat healthy so i can afford to eat at taco bell every saturday after i do this morning activity or whatever it was um so if I started to add up all those, add up all the parties, add up all the nights when friends would call and go out to a bar and I end up eating eating something bad, uh, add up all that. I mean, it, it's not really that healthy of a diet when I thought I was eating well. So one of the great things about going towards this more restrictive plant-based diet, and I, I will not argue that it, that it isn't more restrictive because it, it is. I know a lot of people try to say like, oh, it's really easy to be plant-based. And it, of course, it is getting easier and I'm not so sure that's a good thing. Uh, for the reason that it it's making it more convenient and making it pretty easy to kind of make those bad choices again. Whereas even five years ago, it wasn't quite so easy to make bad food choices if you had a hard guideline in place that said, I'm going to 
stick to a 100% plant-based diet because there just weren't a lot of processed vegan foods out there. And the ones that there were weren't very good. They weren't good enough to be enticing uh, or to make you start craving them. Mm. So that's been an inconvenience of the diet, or, or at least it used to be an inconvenience that every time my family would go on a road trip, we would have to do a lot of planning and figure out this whole cooler full of snacks that we would be eating because there weren't going to be many food stops on the way. And it's true that there still aren't that many. Uh, with some planning, you can you can find some. But uh, I, I think that inconvenience or the idea that if friends call up and say, hey, we're going to go watch basketball out at the bar, for me, it's not like, okay, well, I'm going to just eat dinner out at the bar then. It's, okay, I got to figure out a dinner situation because there's not going to be anything there for me. And if it is, it'll probably be something that's total garbage. And I'm kind of not in the space of eating that way because I have these rules in place that don't really allow me to eat that way day to day. So I don't even want that stuff that much. So for me, having a, a guideline in place, what seems like an inflexible, inconvenient guideline has turned out to be an incredible blessing. Perhaps the most important part of this diet for my health uh, mm. has been that it has made it inconvenient for me to eat badly, and therefore I don't. So what I'm, what I'm getting at and wondering, just speculating here, is maybe with things like this, uh, and we mentioned how food was different from these other things, in that it was... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, if it is that different from other things. We, we talked about it being way more important. You talked about it for you being harder uh, to sustain at a very high standard. Uh, maybe in those situations, having hard guidelines in place that say, I do not violate this, and, and for, for me and you, that is plant-based, maybe that's really helpful in those situations. So, But where do you draw those guidelines? Are they just at vegetarian or plant-based or do you start saying, I mean, I guess like it's, that's a slippery slope to then start saying, okay, a salad every day, or uh, I'm going to get my G bombs every day, you know, and then you start adding on all these guidelines and then it becomes impossibly hard when you are super busy or traveling or whatever. And then you kind of have to, you know, it yeah. falls apart for you. Right. Yep. And that's totally true. And so when I'm talking about guidelines here, what I'm considering, I'm calling this a bare minimum, pretty easy guideline to follow, right? So I could eat total junk processed food and I would still could still be obeying this plant-based guideline. Um, so that, that, is, that is an example basically to show that it's not a hard guideline. Not that it's not hard, but that, that's, I don't consider that a high one, right? I'm not saying I'm eating only 100% whole foods and that's my guideline. That's my all the time stick because it's not, as I mentioned in the episode with Robert Cheek during the fall, that I started eating a lot more oils in, or I don't know, over the summer and in the fall and kind of felt like, okay about that. Like I just felt more relaxed around food and, and in some way felt that maybe I was benefiting my health by, by feeling more relaxed. So that guideline is something I can easily relax and, and I don't consider that a hundred percent always follow guideline the way that there's this background thing. So I, I guess the equivalent to, and this is going to be different for everyone because not everyone's going to find eating a 100% plant-based diet a, a easy, you know, low-level guideline to follow. But maybe for us, that's the equivalent of saying, I'm going to run a mile a day, right? right. Simple little rule. Um, but I don't know. I, but I guess because we talked about the importance of food, for me, I think it's maybe more important to have that kind of guideline in place for something like food than it is with running. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I so don't I don't know. know. And I, like I said, I don't really know if this is true or not. This is sort of speculating. This is conversation. And this is kind of what we intended with this episode was just to stimulate some thoughts uh, without necessarily having answers. So, um, so well, let me just say my, what, my approach to the past month of eating and – and really, I mean, I've been, we're lucky that um, Katie's Yoga Studio has created a meal train and a couple times a week we're getting vegan food delivered that, you know, homemade vegan food delivered, which has been a huge blessing. What's um, a train? What? What's a meal train? Oh, it's, uh, it's where people sign up to cook and deliver you a meal, basically. Oh, how do I get on that train? <laughs> how do you have a train for you or to get on? Yeah, how do I get people to sign up and deliver me a meal? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I guess you just uh, got to talk somebody into doing it for you. <laughs> Is it just you just reach out and say, hey, we are in need. Please sign up and give us meals. Well, it was like uh, the yoga studio said, hey, we want to do this for you. And they created it and publicized it to the students and the teachers. 
Oh, just all for you guys. Yeah. So twice a week we're getting uh, you know, a meal delivered to us. Okay. And I guess the implicit expectation is that one day when someone else needs the meal yeah. train, you, you would provide food. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, people are only cooking one meal. So it's not, um, it's not like someone's cooking two meals a week for us. Right. Because right. it's just getting spread out. Um, but wow. it's, but, you know, but it's been a huge help. It's been a huge, massive help for us. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, we're so that's your solution. Good. That's how that's how uh, people, our listeners, should to deal with their food is just, <laughs> just, just find themselves a food train or whatever it is. Yeah, meal train. No, no, no. That's, that's not. <laughs> that was that was me saying that I'm very grateful, <laughs> thankful for that. But what I was gonna say was that uh, my solution has been, um, you know, 100% plant based is is given. You know, I'm not gonna change that or waver on that. Um, but uh, breakfast, which is the meal that I can control the easiest because, you know, life hasn't gotten too much in the way. Um, and uh, breakfast is in kind of my, my one meal that I, I guarantee I'm getting, you know, at least a, a nutrient-packed yeah. meal, right? And I like so, that. Yeah, so it's either been uh, athletic greens or a smoothie um, or both. Um, and then oatmeal or a big bowl of fruit or something like that that um, – I can control it. It's easy. You know, all those things are really easy to fix and clean up and they're non-stressful and I don't have to, you know, it doesn't take a half hour to cook it. Right. But yeah, I think that's great. I mean, cause that, that's the same advice that we often give when people say like, how do I get started? I think we're, I think it's this exact same problem really as, as you're having, right. It's like to do any more than the bare minimum right now is too much because it's just, it's just how it is. So what's the minimum thing I can do that's not going to overwhelm me? And for a lot of people, we say, just eat really well until 10 a.m. Like, until then, you're in control. Do the easy thing. And, and, or, or put differently, it can be start each day with a smoothie. And then at least you know you're starting the day, designing it the way you want. You put in all this fruit, put in all these raw nuts and seeds, put in greens if you want, put in athletic greens powder if you really want. And, you know... You've controlled that first meal, and you've gotten maybe sixty percent of the great things you want to get during the day. You've already gotten them, right? Exactly. So I think that's I think that's a, a really good strategy, not just for someone in your situation, uh, but for someone who is who feels just out of control about food and wants to start getting a grasp on how to eat. Yeah, like it. Good. Um, my I I wrote a post, Doug, which you you perhaps should review uh, about when. Our second child came along about, I think it was how to eat healthy when you just can't find the time. And I honestly don't, I didn't, I forgot about it until now. Uh, but it was kind of on that theme of nobody's sleeping in our house because we are, we have, if you can imagine, Doug, it's possible to have a second child when you already have another one running around and then you put that on, on top of it and it just makes all things go haywire. Yeah, uh, I cannot imagine actually. <laughs> No, it was, it was, that was actually extremely stressful. That, I remember that month or two because I was also training for my 100 miler then. And so I couldn't just give up on that or back burner that. That was not the best planning on my part, I guess. Uh, but that that added to the stress because I still had to go out there on Saturdays and get whatever, six-hour runs in and all that. But I remember the only strategy that I remember, that, I mean, we could go back and find more if we wanted, but the one I remember was that whenever we didn't have a meal train, whenever we would go to the store, because it, it, it was hard to plan a week of meals. No one could find time to do that. That was out of the question. But we could run to the store for 15 minutes and grab something. The rule was, whenever you go to grab something for dinner, you grab something else for tomorrow's dinner. <laughs> and so, we, so we'd so we end up with one meal that we planned in the moment. We said, okay, we're going to make black bean tacos tonight or whatever. And we look up the ingredients, and someone runs to the store and gets that. But while you're there, you have to also improvise some other meal that you bring home. So it would be like you buy a store-bought pizza crust and sauce that you would make on a pizza the next night so, so it's something that required no cooking or some kind of i don't know easy soup recipe or, or those like canned amy soups or something mm-hmm. um but that was our that was our trick was when you go to the store you don't just get one meal you buy the next night's meal as well i like that that's a good <laughs> trick. um i don't actually know how useful that is but it, it worked for us someone um, someone uh who is probably listening to this podcast, but I'm not going to name her by name, um, was very generous and gave us a gift card to Trader Joe's before, right before we had the baby. And, um, and they have a ton of vegan 
uh, frozen meals. And that's kind of been our savior. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when, t- when things are really bad, you know, like when, when we really don't want to cook anything or, or don't have any food, you know, maybe we ran out of, of fresh ingredients. We've been relying on those frozen meals from Trader Joe's and that's been really good. Yep. That, you know, like we put a tremendous amount of effort into food and when I add up the amount of time that we spend, like I'm, I, we, I try to keep it simple, but because food's such a priority, I've realized that like when we make a new meal every night, not a new meal, but when we make a meal every single night and then got to clean up the dishes and got to fight with the kids and try to get them to eat and do all that. I mean, it's just, it takes two hours of everybody's time up in the night. And now and then I will remember the frozen section of Whole Foods or Trader Joe's and be like, man, if, if, if I was just okay with doing this all the time, we would, we would save so much time every single night. And it's not really that much more expensive to eat those frozen meals. I guess the, I guess the cost is that they're not probably quite as healthy. They probably have more sodium and stuff like that in them. Mm-hmm. And, but, but I mean, not, not at all arguing that in the short term you shouldn't do that. Cause I think it's a really, really good solution that is very, very easy to, uh, to just forget about. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's another great fallback or even a great get started tip. If you were trying to get started healthy eating this year, you can do it that way. You can get used to it that way and just cook once a week and the rest of the nights do that stuff and then hopefully increase the cooking time that you do. But, uh, not a bad tip. And if you're not vegan, you get to have one of those hungry man things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why not? No, um, I'm just kidding. This thing, that probably is the most, I don't know. Yeah, hopefully I won't offend I anybody. About those. I don't know. I, they were I, so I remember, repulsive. I used to eat them. Were they just like double-sized TV dinners? Yeah, with like mashed potatoes. They're always like really good. Oh, gross. And, the, and you microwave them and the mashed potatoes still have like ice in the middle of them uh-huh. when you're eating them. Yeah. And like like roast beef and mashed potatoes and uh, it's like uh, just so repulsive looking. To protein. Me. Oh, you get protein. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I've looked up my my post really quickly. We'll wrap this up soon because I'm I'm fading. But uh, so my how to eat healthy when you're short on time, which was uh, the post was called how to eat healthy when you just can't find the time. It was written about two weeks after my daughter's birth, and uh, I'm just gonna read the bolds. One, if you can find a free 15 minutes, make a huge batch of high-energy, healthy snack that you can grab throughout the day to keep everyone happy. So we just would do things like make a giant thing of granola, um, and then you can just snack on that, and you can even snack on that as your dinner or lunch or whatever. Uh, use the Dr. Seuss meal planning strategy, which is the one where, where you say, I'm going to just pick the one ingredient we have in the fridge, and that's how I'm going to plan my meal, so it's going to be a zucchini meal because that's what we have uh, don't ignore the prepare foods counter at Whole Foods. Very similar, Doug, to don't ignore the frozen section at Trader Joe's. Um, give yourself a break and buy some of the foods you normally make. For example, hummus, almond butter, granola, pizza dough. Lots of things that you could buy if you wanted instead of making them. Mm-hmm. Uh, put out a healthy snack bowl for the kids and the grown-ups. That's just one that, that we kind of did. I don't even know why I put that here for not finding the time because that was just a general health tip. Uh, I put love the sandwich. I don't really eat many sandwiches, but uh, making a sandwich for lunch or dinner, you know, hummus, avocado, tomato, very simple thing to throw together, even if you don't have a lot of ingredients on hand. Yep. Uh, make salad and beans sexy. Yeah, I guess this is probably when I uh, when I started eating salad and beans, because that has kind of become an okay, acceptable dinner for me nowadays. But I guess before this post, salad with beans on top was, was not a, an acceptable dinner. Uh, so there you go. Just make a salad with half beans. I, I truly think that is one of the healthiest meals you can eat. If you just take the salad, put tons of random vegetables on there, beans, and a, especially if you can do a nut-based dressing instead of an oil-based dressing. Uh, that doesn't seem like dinner to a lot of people, but I, I would argue that it is healthier than almost any other dinner. Uh, simplify the smoothie. Doug, this could be for you. You don't need to make your smoothie crazy and have a million thousand things in it that make it perfect just if if all you can do is throw a few fruits in there and a handful of nuts fine still wonderful and finally go back to basics with a grain a green and a bean which uh of course is one of our go-to also very very healthy meals i like it those are great tips i wish you would have shared that with me before uh could have been useful i know too late now though um okay well i think I think that is enough. I don't really have anything else to add here that wouldn't be just rambling. Yeah, I think we wrap it up. But it's good It's good to be back, man. It's good to have you on this side of living again. And um, I look forward to actually yeah. 
it is good seeing you here pretty soon definitely pretty soon we will do that uh it is definitely good to be back and uh the break break was not what i anticipated at all but uh still it was a break and i i do feel refreshed uh nomad athlete and work has been very very low on my list of uh mental priorities uh, because of you know holidays and sickness and everything else, and that's probably a really good thing. Kind of seasons of life, right? I, I took a while, and the sickness. Perhaps I mentioned the ideas of of what else could this mean? How how might this actually be a blessing in disguise? Um, maybe that got me even further away from from something that I needed to break from, and and then you know let let room for the inspiration to rush in. Oh, I so, can't wait to see what the inspiration brings. Who who knows, Doug? You, <laughs> <laughs> we can only wait and find out. That's right. All right. Well, uh, everyone listening to this, thank you for for enduring the break. I'm sure it was just the most painful month of, of everyone's life not to hear us once a week. And thank you also especially for enduring the Doug and Sid episode last week, which I personally have not brought myself to be able to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know that I ever will, actually. But uh, really thank better you for, that way. for enduring that. And I apologize that I was not able to return you know what, Doug, we even, remember when we took our break in December, we said, you know what we're going to do to surprise everybody? We're going to come back a week early, Yep. and we're gonna, and everyone's going to love that. Yep. Um, we didn't even come close to do that. I was in a coma, I think, the week before we were to come back. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't happen. Um, but anyway, I apologize that I am a week later than I even said I would be with this break. But we are back, and next time, hopefully, we will be in person and together. And uh, I think I think this season holds a lot of goodness for our for Nomad Athlete Radio. I think it's going to be a, a good a good year. And for your jazz drumming career, my jazz drumming career is ready to take off. I've been I just watched a bunch of Amazon videos about drumming. I also watched uh, all four Home Alones, Doug. This, this year, <laughs> I watched a lot of movies. What's the verdict on the which verdict? is the best? The verdict is Home Alone 2 is the best, still. Okay. But Home Alone 3 and 4 are terrible. <laughs> and also, Scarlett Johansson is in Home Alone 3, which is a, a little surprise thing I didn't realize. Which one is Trump in? Trump is in 2. That's the one where he's in New York? Yeah, he's in, the, he's in the big hotel, and Trump walks by, and I forget, he asks him something. Okay. But uh, they're, they're pretty good, just good movies. So I don't need to go into all the Christmas movies we watched. I watched lots of them this year. One of the joys of having kids at the age they are now is that they like the Christmas movies as much as I do. (laughs) (laughs) We watched a bunch of them. And I watched a bunch of other movies, too, that that aren't about Christmas. But uh, like I said, it was was an odd month for me. It was a different different month, but one that uh, was a nice nice change for sure, even though a lot of it was sick. But anyway, enough about that. Uh, Anything else, Doug, before before we wrap it up? I think that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Okay. Sounds good, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.